Dak for MVP. How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. This show is part of the ATB podcast family. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. With me tonight is a very special guest. You've probably seen him on Twitter pulling receipts and giving Eagles fans all they can handle. The host and creator of the Fantasy Spinus podcast, Mr. William Spencer. Will, how are you? I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, I sure do appreciate you, man. I really do. No problem, man. Anytime. Well, well, you know, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at hype underscore finest. That's P-H-I-N-E-S-T. <laughs> I have to a- spell it because people be like, oh, I've actually gotten like some backlash on that name. Like the, between the fantasies finest with the P-H, yeah. I don't understand. Like, well, I'm from Philly and, you know, like like the Philadelphia Phillies, the baseball team, mm-hmm. they have the P-H on their name. So I was like, all right, yeah. well, I'm from Philly too. Let's do it. You know, it still makes me think about, uh, you know, when Mike and I were recording the Cowboys podcast and we used to, Mike was always giving you a hard time about your <laughs> <laughs> your original Twitter handle. I don't know how yeah. many people are familiar with that story, but, you know, it's always funny to hear you spelling that thing out. Yeah, it was a tad too long. It was a lot of, it was a couple, too many underscores and all that stuff, so. Yeah, I remember that. Y'all, bu- y'all bully me into changing my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of underscores, uh, I am Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. <laughs> you know, well, I'm not how fa- I'm not sure how familiar you are with the show, but I know this is your first time on the fantasy show. And uh, how we start this thing off is in honor of our old host, Mr. Rich Maletto, who you can find on Twitter at Bodacious Beer. He would always start the show off with asking, what are what you drinking? So, Will, do you have anything special in your cup tonight, or is it just some water, sweet tea? What are we working with? It's just water. Uh, I had to take it easy on the uh, the extra the extra juicy stuff. The, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I actually put that stuff up. So, I, I like I, it. Normally, it would be honey. Uh, not wild turkey. That's too strong for for nine thirty. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. But uh, I have some uh, some honey bourbon. This is solid stuff. So, Evan Williams. Good. That's my oh, yeah. that's my go to. Oh, Evan Williams. And I haven't, it's been a little while since I had that, but I, I think that was no, it was Jim Beam. That was the last one I bought. But oh, Evan that's Williams, good stuff that was too. a good that was a good one back in the day, my friend. Mm. Is that what you're sipping on right there? Mm. No Jim Beam tonight. <laughs> no, you know, just <laughs> like you, man. I'm, I'm taking it easy tonight. I'm I'm having a cup of water myself. I got you. <laughs> so, Will, you know, I want to update you on what we've been doing on the show lately. The last couple of weeks, we've been breaking down teams division by division and discussing who we like and don't like for fantasy in 2021. And we've discussed both the NFC, AFC South. And last week, we discussed the AFC East. So this week, we're discussing a division I think you, I'd like to think you know a thing or two about, and that division being the NFC East. Okay. So let's get started. Oh, uh, Will, yeah. when you look at the NFC East, is Devonta Smith or Jalen Rager the wide receiver to own for Philly in 2021? Um, off the top, I, I got to go Devonta Smith. The Eagles have yeah. been yearning for a number one wide receiver. They took him in the draft uh, in the top, was it 11, 10? I can't. 10th uh, overall. 10th overall? Yeah, the, they traded the with us. Yeah. Yeah. I, real quick, when they did that, I was like, what are y'all doing? You're, you're trading with the enemy. You, you thought they were taking it. Justin Fields, right? I yo, I didn't. I wasn't worried if they had took Justin Fields. I wasn't worried about that, but I knew they had to go wide receiver because they need to bring in new weapons. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith is going to be that guy. 
Um, so in terms of targets and work, I got to go Smith. Um, he's going to be that guy to own for the Eagles. Him and Jalen Hurts are going to get together and they're going to do some nice things this year. So I got to ask you, you know, based on your response there, are you, when you found out that they took, or when you saw that they took Devonta Smith over Justin Fields, were you kind of relieved? I mean, do you think that Devonta is going to be more of a weapon for Philly than Justin Fields would have been? Um, I, my belief was that they went in with just with uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So to go back to back drafts and pick quarterbacks in the first two rounds, mm-hmm. they couldn't do that. Yeah. You can't justify grabbing. You can't justify shipping off Carson Wentz, getting Jalen Hurts in the second round, mm-hmm. and then turn around and get Justin Fields when you know offense, you have no wide receivers. Yeah. You couldn't do that. Howie, if that had happened, y'all, they should have fired Howie Rosen right on the spot. Like, as soon as the draft was over, he's out because you can't do that. You can't go into the new season, you know, lauding this guy. Are we going to give Jalen Hurts a chance? And then he don't have nobody to throw to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that just because, I, you know, I know that I probably like Jalen Hurts and most people I've talked to, you know, maybe more so just uh, Mike and and uh rich bodacious beer and a couple of people on the atb team they don't seem to be too high on jalen hurts but you might be the first person who i've talked to who um would be you know is more worried about devonta smith than they were justin fields i think you bring up a good point when you look at their weapons bringing in justin fields maybe he could elevate them more than than jalen hurts could but i think you know with the jury still being out on jalen hurts and then you go and get him a, a wide receiver like devonta smith i think he can really um that, that combination could could prove to be just as deadly as Justin Fields with maybe a, a Jalen Rager or, or even a Travis Fulgham would be here in 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of Travis Fulgham, that's my sleeper. <laughs> hey, you know, he and he's he is definitely being slept on because when people look at the uh, Eagles roster, I mean, you hear a lot about Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, but nobody's talking about the guy who's, who's shown who could be a wide receiver one on a bad team on a bad offense when all the car are the, uh, you know, cards are going against them. Yeah, and I'm saying this here. I've done, like, articles and stuff on Fulgham, and I've gotten that. Are you serious? But if you look at how their roster is set up right now and look at the other wide receivers that they have, like, the only other guy on the Eagles roster that I'm kind of keeping tabs on is the uh, the undrafted wide receiver, Grimes. I think he's the guy that's, like, really deep sleeper-wise. Mm-hmm. But Fulgham is going to be one of those guys who's going to start He's going to start. I think he's going to get more of the work earlier on. And as mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, Devonta Smith gets settled into the offense, right? He's going to start to take over those shares. But Fulgham is a guy who, like we've already, we've already seen him do well against tough defenses last year with Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. I don't think that people are paying enough attention to him to start the season. Mm-hmm. They're just so enamored with Devonta Smith being there that you know nobody else really matters. Yeah. You know, while we're still talking about wide receivers and to answer the original question, Devonta Smith or Jalen Rager, I think I'm, I, uh, I think it's Devonta as well, but you know, I'm not confident about that only because Rager moving to slot. I think that's his natural position in the NFL and uh, you know, seeing, seeing him play there being a year in the NFL and having, you know, some, some rapport already with Jalen Hurts. I think that Rager is going to surprise the people as well this year. Yeah, he's not – I don't think he's going to be a guy where you're going to have to waste a draft pick. Not waste, but you're not going to have to use a draft pick to get him. You know, right. it's going to – most people – I'm going to I'm gonna throw this out there is that most people are going to try and target Devonta Smith. Yeah. And then the next 
pass catcher you're probably going to look at is Dallas Goddard. I'm not sure what they're doing with Zach Ertz because he's still there. Um, the rumors, the reports are that they're going to trade him or he's looking for a trade. He wants out, but the Eagles aren't going to let him go for nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's either Devonta Smith, then Dallas Goddard, and then maybe Zach Ertz or uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, uh, I mean, as far as pass catchers, because I don't think uh, with Gainwell being there, um, Miles Sanders' value, I feel like it takes a little bit of a hit because mm-hmm. he wasn't that good uh, in pass catching work last year. So they brought in another guy that's going to – he's younger. He's a big play guy. Yeah. And I think he bumps uh, Boston Scott, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that because Boston Scott, he's a solid – Running back, I just don't think that he's really a game changer the way that Kenneth Gainwell is. And Kenneth Gainwell is, you know, a borderline elite receiver out of the backfield. And we saw what those Memphis running backs can do in the league. And, you know, you you add that receiving element to Miles Sanders and Justice Philly offense. I mean, that could be a, a nice one-two, one-two punch there for Philly. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. So, you know, I don't know how you feel about drafting opposing quarterbacks in Dynasty. But, you know, in Dynasty leagues, are, are you buying or selling Jalen Hurts? Um, I'm buying. Uh, I actually have him as one of my he I think he's inside the top 15, at least. Yeah. Um, just based off of what he can do, how how he's perceived as he's not going to be able to do much um, inside the office. But I think he's a better passer than what we were able to see last year. in those just in just those four games. Oh, yeah. And the mobility is there for him to be able to take off if there's nothing out there for him to do mm-hmm. um, inside the passing game. So I think those two things combined, he will get more production than what most people think out of Jalen Hurts. I agree. You know, I'm buying as well. Give, give me all the Hurts that I can that I can have, please, because I think Hurts is going to be not just a good fantasy, but a real a good NFL quarterback like you were talking to saying there. I mean, you think about there was a, a toxic locker room coaching staff and and players you know not not on the same page and then the, the shortened off season and just not being able to get really any sort of off season reps with your new teammates that's always going to be tough for a rookie and then you're kind of being thrust into a starting role and you, you we saw some some flashes of him uh being able to to beat these nfl defenses and that was you know again just kind of being thrown in their feet to the fire so i'm excited to see what he can do with a normal off season mm-hmm Got to get that offseason under his under his belt. That's going to help. Absolutely. So sticking sticking with Jalen Hurts, I'm curious. Would you rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jalen Hurts just for 2021? <laughs> Give me Hurts, man. Like, <laughs> I don't get why. I, and I tried to explain this to Ace, uh, Jalen, when we were talking about it on the show. Yeah. And Fitzpatrick is good for the Washington football team for fantasy. Because we know he's going to throw the ball a ton. We know that trickles down to the wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera. But as a NFL quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick has never been good. So I would rather take the unknown in Jalen Hurts than what I've already seen in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has he has offense with the Washington football team, but we've seen him in other places have you know decent teams. Um, Tampa Bay just a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah, like look, run, all those, run all those teams down. Look at what they had. And mm-hmm. he still sucked. So, yeah, like I don't get like I've, I've been getting into it with Washington fans. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to win the division because we got who? Who you got? You don't got nobody back there. Y'all, 
Ron Rivera don't even know who he's going to start. He's he, it's an open competition now. So like Absolutely. until well, I mean we all know it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick because mm-hmm. if it's Tyler Heineke, <laughs> don't do that. It's got to be Ryan. I mean it's got to be Ryan. So, but give me Hurts, man. I'm taking Hurts. Yeah, I agree with you. It's hurts for me as well. And you know we know that Fitz will probably be good for ten INTs. And you mentioned it. Ron Rivera's already stated that there's always going to be competition. And you know, are we sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick will even be the starter all year? I. I I feel like he's doing that just to be fair to the other guys. But look at who else he has on the roster. You have mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Allen, who was there. He used to be in Carolina with Ron Rivera. You have Tyler he- Taylor Haneke. Um, he showed up in the playoffs. He was the only quarterback to throw uh, over 300 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Yeah, yeah, that's a feather in his cap. But he hasn't. He's not. He hasn't done anything to warrant starting over Ryan Fitzpatrick. We at least know that the offense is going to look a lot better than what it did with Alex Smith. But we know what kind of quarterback we're getting in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been the same guy his whole career. He's a journeyman, gunslinger. He's going to throw the ball a ton. He's going to try and fit it in the spots, and he's going to turn the ball over. You know, you mentioned Kyle Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, here's comes week six and Washington is is two and four, or even three and three. And the defense is is, you know, keeping them in games But Ryan Fitzpatrick just, you know, week after week is having some some of those uh, game ending backbreaking interceptions. I, I would like to think, you know, we just saw it last year that Kyle Allen having some familiarity with the offense or even Taylor Heineke, who could could be that kind of spark plug. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them to take over that role. I, I don't want to see it, especially for fantasy, because yeah. I saw what Kyle Allen, I mean, Kyle Allen in the offense, he's going to pigeonhole targets to uh, Terry McLaurin. That's the only upside. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, every other option is not worth it. I mean, yeah. you, we still don't know what Taylor Heineke can do, you know, if he's given a chance to play in the, in the regular season. Right. But would you rather know that Ryan, look, put it this way. None of those guys are going to win you the division. Let's be real. Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance, but he's not going to win you the division either. So, you know, they're they're a squad that should have drafted Justin Fields. If you're worried about quarterback play, you should have went and got Justin Fields. Yeah, you would have squashed that. I really thought that they might make a move for a – for a franchise quarterback, I mean, when you look at that defense and even the pieces on offense, I mean, they're really a quarterback away from from being legit Super Bowl contenders. I think mm-hmm. they are. That defense is that defense is solid, and they have enough. They have enough low key weapons. Like I like uh, Cam Sims. He's six five, two sixteen, or somewhere around here, two sixteen, two twenty. He's a big body wide receiver. You have Kurt Curtis Samuel in the playing in the slot. Mm-hmm. He's done that before when he was with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Terry McLaurin on the outside. You got Logan Thomas. Everybody's clamoring about Antonio Gibson. They have legit weapons. Mm-hmm. But that quarterback position is where the big question mark is. You yeah. got a guy. I mean, granted, you know, now that I think about it, they were picking around 19. They were picking 19th in the draft. So moving up to get Justin would have been tough. But when you see all the other quarterbacks go off the board, and you have an opportunity to at least until a pick is in, you have a chance to get up there. I would have tried it. Yeah. I would have given maybe a pick 
you know, let them move back, take another pick from, you know, 2022 or something like that, somehow to get up to get him. I don't know the logistics, but I would have tried. And then you would have been dangerous. Absolutely. With Justin Fields and all those guys. That, that would have been scary. That would have been scary. You know, just, you know, I know Chase Young, he's an elite talent himself, but would have, what if Washington would have passed on Chase Young and maybe took taken Justin Herbert last year, you know? Oh man, that's that's a scary thought. Yeah, NFC would have been a little bit tighter. <laughs> yeah, that's for, for sure. sure. You know, I'm I'm curious. We know who the best quarterback in the NFC East is, but I mean, who was the second on. best? <laughs> um second best. I I and all right. Well, coming from me, it's not gonna sound like I'm just being biased, but it's I think it really is hurts. Yeah. I think it is because we we know what the other two guys are. Daniel Jones is not impressed at all. And people can make any excuses for him. Oh, he didn't have a number one wide receiver. Oh, he didn't have Saquon. Oh, his offensive line was hurt. Well, we've we've seen Dak Prescott had no offensive line while he was playing. He was throwing over 400 yards a game. Mm-hmm. Um Daniel Jones didn't show enough to me to say, you know what? Maybe he is a a wide receiver away from actually being good. He fumbles the ball all the time. He turns the ball over all the time. He can't hit, he can't hit wide receivers. He had decent options in uh, Darius Slayton, uh, Evan Ingram, um, uh, Sterling Sterling Shepard. He had weapons. Yeah. They're not number one guys, but they're solid guys. I mean, Eli Manning made Sterling Shepard look decent, so he he did the same with Slayton before he got out. So to say that, oh well, Kenny Galladay is going to be the guy. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not buying it. And I'm Kenny Galladay. I'm fading him too because I felt like he could have went anywhere, and and he would have been dominant. But you go to a guy who can't hit his wide receivers when they open, and now you expect him to hit you on 50-50 balls when you're when you got you know, a less than a yard or a yard of separation. Nah, I'm, I'm good. And then you go, we go to, we already talked about Washington. They're mm-hmm. an enigma. They don't know who they have at quarterback. We all know it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick because anybody else would be stupid, right. but Jalen hurts his potential. I'm buying into his potential upside over the other two guys. And then of course, you know, who's at the top is Dak Prescott. So Absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's not really no point in even saying, Oh, well it could be Dak. Like who else <laughs> is there? Like, let's be real. Come on. Big emphasis on second best. <laughs> now I'm right there with you, man. It's, it's got to be Hurts. And Fitzpatrick is and has been a bridge quarterback for his entire career. I like Daniel Daniel Jones, but he has no offensive line and he's in a Garrett-led offense. I, just, I don't think we can properly evaluate <laughs> Jones in his current situation. I mean, I, I did like what I saw his rookie year. I mean, he kind of let the world took the world by storm a bit in that offense, you know, playing a lot of come-from-behind games. I mean, he, he was better than I expected, but you mentioned the turnovers and just not being able to hit open wide receivers. It'll be interesting to see what he does this year because they still don't have an offensive line. But I, I actually like the addition of Kenny Galladay. Because uh, Darius Slayton, he was kind of mm, – he, he's a wide receiver, too, at best. And Sterling Shepard, I mean, he he's never really been able to stay healthy. So, I felt like that was a, that was a good move. They really did need a, a, an alpha wide receiver. And we've seen Kenny Galladay, when he's able to stay healthy, what he can do with, with of course, with Matthew Stafford, but even back with quarterbacks like David Blau and guys like that. That's a good point. David Blau was slinging it. But he, he could actually hit a wide receiver. That's the that's the difference for me. 
Mm-hmm. It's like you go from Stafford to Daniel Jones. That's a downgrade. Yeah. No, no matter how you want to slice it. And Blau, he had to throw the ball, but he was able to make something of it and keep Kenny Galladay still in fantasy relevance while uh, Stafford was out. So, but I don't, I don't get that vibe with Daniel Jones. I don't get the, the uh, apparent Josh Allen leap that people are projecting. Whoa, Daniel Jones. The yo, listen. Heard, when, I've never, I haven't heard that, but that's insane. I will, I will go back and try and pull some receipts because that I know I've seen that on social media. As soon as Kenny Galladay landed with the Giants, everybody went, "Oh, Daniel Jones is going to be a breakout." You know, saying all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like. Daniel Jones, though, like, yeah, this is the same guy we saw. Like, Josh Allen showed, like, he, you know, you look at you compare their numbers. Uh, Josh Allen was completing what 55 somewhere around there percent completion rate, but he, he showed you that he was able to hit wide receivers. He turned John Brown back into a thousand yard wide receiver. Then you give him Stefan Diggs, he puts in the work, and then he takes off. Mm-hmm. Do you see that kind of jump with? you know, a guy like Daniel Jones? I, I think I will say this. If they had addressed the offensive line, you know, with the addition of Kenny Galladay, bringing back Saquon Barkley, and then Darius Slayton being the wide receiver three, and then Sterling if he, Sterling Shepard can stay healthy. I could see a – I can I can see the upside. I just – you know, I, I think that's something we're going to hear about for the next couple of years is, oh, he's going to be the next Josh Allen, like take that leap every time we see <laughs> a wide receiver go to a new team, you know, with a quarterback that's kind of been struggling, you know? Yeah, and that's not something that's across the board. Like, just because you get a new wide receiver doesn't always mean that you're going to get that next level production out of the quarterback. The quarterback right. has to make that, he has to make that continued progress. Oh, yeah. Daniel Jones hasn't been going in that direction. Like we saw it with Dak Prescott. He got Amari Cooper, and then all of a sudden he starts taking off, and then the offense changes, and he's still continuing upward. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen the same way. Um, I was going to use Russell Wilson, but Russell's always been a good quarterback. Oh, but yeah. you give him a guy like DK Metcalf, and he Ooh. feels like he's almost unstoppable. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you see a – and that's why I ask people, like, do you do y'all see a similar arc to Daniel Jones with Kenny Galladay as opposed to the other guys? And, and I personally don't see it. I think Lamar Jackson would make a better case for that kind of jump this year with, with Rashad Bateman, you know, and uh, I was, I was glad you didn't say Sammy Watkins. I had to log <laughs> off. <laughs> I think Sammy has shown us, you know, he's good for two, three weeks, but one you know, week Watkins. Yeah. One week Watkins, man. <laughs> week one Watkins, baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wait, so let's as you a- go off week one, you better flip him while you can. Oh man, I I was excited for him. 2019, he put up a 30 burger, and then Tyreek Hill went down, and you know I really thought that he was just going to take the world by storm. Him and Patrick Mahomes, and it was just like he 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 had some volume, but man, he just you know could never really do anything with it. Man, it was weird. And that was the one week I didn't start him. Of he course, he was on my bench. Of course, and I was like, well, let me try and flip him. Nobody was biting. I'm like week five, week six. I'm like, man, I'm dropping this dude. Let me get him out of um, here. Yeah, that's <laughs> sad state of affairs, my friend. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about running backs, and uh, I'm curious to hear your answer here. Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, who would you rather have in 2021? I feel like you already know the answer to this. You just like you just like answering these asking these questions. And, well, no, the reason know- I have this on the show sheet, honestly, is just because I feel like this has kind of been a debate with some people on Twitter. It has, and it's all it's still going to be Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I actually yeah, got a sure. thread myself 
where um, we was talking about Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Now, here's my thing. Everybody's writing off Ezekiel Elliott, or they mm-hmm. have been. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done. He's he's cooked. He's losing his numbers. going down every year, blah, 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 blah. If you've been paying attention, and, and it's easy to get sucked into the offseason hype. I, I totally get that. But when you look at what he's been doing, training, we've never we never really seen Ezekiel Elliott get serious in terms of training. You know, he's always he's always had the talent. He's always been that dude from the time that he came into the league in 2016. He came back from Cabo, went off for 1,400 yards plus. Uh-huh. Now he's pissed off. He's mad. He, you know how he always. Shape. Exactly, and people, people still say, "Oh well, he's still big. He's still." Are you looking at the same? I'm big. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? I'm both. a big dude. Yeah, yeah. He's he's in shape. He looks quicker. He looks more elusive. He's he's making the moves that we've seen him make in 2016 uh-huh. and 2017. He's serious, and I think if you. You taking all the factors that happened last year, him catching COVID, losing all of the offensive, nearly all of the offensive line, losing Dak Prescott for for the season, those things impacted the offense. To be able to turn a blind eye and just say, "Oh, Ezekiel Elliott is done," is stupid. Now, I'm not saying Saquon Barkley is done either. I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley has proven that he's talented, but the offense that he's in compared to the Cowboys and what they do even with their hiccups, you know, around the red zone, it's not the same thing. You added Kenny Galladay. You got a whole bunch of pass catchers. They're not really a passing offense, but those guys need to be fed the ball. Are you worried about Saquon Barkley's work, his targets going down? Because they got a lot of guys to feed. I'm pretty sure Evan Ingram is not going to be running routes and not expecting to catch the ball. You know, so that work has to come from somewhere. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, their offense is has been leaning towards the pass for the last two years. And Sa- and uh Ezekiel Elliott is, has been steadily involved in the passing game. Mm-hmm. He's a part of it. I think but the differences in the offense as opposed to what Ezekiel Elliott is doing in preparation to get back to the way he was, I gotta take Zeke. And he's and Saquon's being rated over Ezekiel Elliott in terms of ADP. Give me Zeke. I'm not worried about. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be long-winded. No, you're good. He's, it's got to be Zeke. I know a lot of people are buying into the resurgence of Saquon Barkley, and you're not wrong in doing that. He's talented. Mm-hmm. But Ezekiel Elliott is going to get the work. He's going to be involved in the passing game. The offense is overall better than the Giants. More points are going to be scored by the Cowboys as opposed to the Giants. And that's where his value is going to come in. Right. Now, you know, it's Zeke for me as well. And I think the thing with Saquon is that people still remember that memorable 2018 season, rightfully so. I mean, he took the world by storm. And, you know, of course, there's a picture with the quads and everything. It's just Saquon is kind of (laughs) his name still has a a very high value. But you look at the last two seasons, he's last year tore the ACL and the year before that, I believe he missed six or seven games. And we know what Saquon can do, but just can he do it consistently? And we haven't been able to see him do that. With Zeke, we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it four years in a row now. 
and his worst year last year, I mean, he didn't have an offensive line and he was injured, but even in 2017, I mean, the 10 games that he played, he still was a thousand yard rusher without a, without a left tackle and missing seven games. So, or excuse me, missing six games. I just, uh, and then, you know, being in an offense ran by, by Jason Garrett, we, we know, you know, we know the story there. I just, I think Zeke is, is the better player in real life. And he's also the better fantasy investment this year. I mean, I think a, a Zeke with a healthy offensive line and healthy Dak is, is prime for a top five season. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at the point where, and I'm gonna just throw this, this last bit in there. There you go. CD lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Blake, Blake Jarwin, Jarwin, even you Tony Pollard. It, yeah. Tony Pollard in there. I'll throw him in there too. You're not going to see loaded boxes. Mm-mm. He's not seeing that anymore. You can't just, oh, we're going to stack eight, seven, eight guys in a, in a box, and then we're going to stop Zeke, and we're going to make Dak Prescott throw uh, beat us. Um, He just – he very well is capable of doing that now. Mm-hmm. He was capable of doing that two seasons ago. But because of the offense that he was in under Scott Linehan, he wasn't prone to taking those deep shots, changing plays, and et cetera, et cetera. Now he's the man. I, I'm it's exciting to get, think about right yeah you can't have a better situation than that like give me Ezekiel Elliott man and, and he's go. cheaper he's at the he's in the back of the uh, first round last right. time I looked he was creeping up though you know you think about it it's nobody's really factoring in how you mentioned the offseason that he's having getting his body into shape I mean I think we could see we could see the Zeke from 2016 where he was a threat to take one to the house at any given moment. And then mm-hmm. you add in the off, healthy offensive line and then the, the offense that's taking shots downfield with, with the weapon, the, with the receiving weapons as well. And you mentioned that you can't stack the box. It's just, it's fun to think about because I still, you know, we've seen Zeke even as he was bulk, bulking up, you know, preparing his body for, for that, those ma- that massive workload. We still saw him, have have the wills, have some of that speed, being having the ability to break off some of those those big uh, chunk, those those uh, you know not not eighty yard runs, but like the twenty thirties. I think with the with the weight loss now, we might see some of that twenty sixteen Zeke again. Mm-hmm. He gets that speed back, man. He's going to be even more dangerous. Yes, sir. Well, you know, well now we're going to talk. Or actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we move on to our next topic, I want to. I'm curious. I don't know how familiar you are with stacks. It's a, it's a thing in best ball, but when you look at the NFC East, is there a stack this year that you like for fantasy? Um, Ryan, Tan- Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick and Terry McLaurin. Okay. I think that's a stack that's, um, I won't say underrated, but. Not, not being t- discussed enough. Yeah. And it's not some, it's probably something that you're probably going to do in super flex leagues. Because you're not going to get, you're not going to target Ryan Fitzpatrick as your number one guy. Um, the more popular stack will probably be um, Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. That's right. probably where you're going to get the most. Well, that's probably the hardest one to attain, too. Yeah, though, you because know? you you got to get those guys between what? Probably round. like with your first two picks. Jesus, and it, it's funny because people will always poo poo. Oh, Dallas thinks, but then you taking them. Exactly. You, got, you know, my, my friends are the Eagles fans, but they're not stupid. They're going, right. they're going to draft Cowboy players. Mm-hmm. So it's just, um, I don't know. If it, if you're looking at a stack that you want to get out of the NFC East, it's probably coming out of the Cowboys most likely. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be one of the reasons why Terry McLaurin has a breakout year this year because he's just going to throw the ball a ton, no matter if they're leading, 
if they're losing, especially mm-hmm. if they're losing, Terry McLaurin is going to eat. Absolutely. You know, I, I think just because of ADP, where you can get these guys, my favorite stack is going to be Jalen Rager and Jalen Hurts. Mm. Because again, I think people are are not necessarily sleeping on Hurts. A lot of people, especially in Superflex, are coming around on Hurts, seeing the rushing ability. But Jalen Rager is not somebody that's being talked about, uh, at least in my opinion, who's being talked about enough. I know everybody's you know excited for Devonta Smith and the the target share that he's going to be commanding this year as the uh, wide receiver one for the team. But I have a feeling that's going to be a sneaky good stack from a, for a week to week basis there. Yeah, I like, I, I like Rager, um, and the fact that I probably won't have to draft him. I can get him off waivers or I can get him at the end of the draft and free agency. Um, that's appealing to me, especially like you said earlier that he's moving into the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to, he may not get a bunch of targets, but he's going to be that guy who's going to take the top off the, off of defenses. He has got, his speed is legit. Yeah. Like there were a few times with Carson Wentz where Rager had, he beat the defender and still had to slow down to try and make a play on a ball because it was either underthrown or overthrown. Mm-hmm. And it's like, could you imagine what he could do with a quarterback that, that can actually hit him? Yeah. And then you see Jalen Hurts come in and actually hit him on a deep run. It was like, yeah, mind you know blown. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's going to be something to see this season. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, so we're moving on to our next top, our next topic, and that's going to be NFC East invest investments. Well, I'm curious, who who are you buying in the NFC East for fantasy? Um, I, this is probably obvious, um, but Ceedee Lamb. Okay. Like, I if I can get shares of him across all my fantasy teams, oh yeah, I'd be a happy camper. And I've already talked about Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to have a breakout year. Mm-hmm. So those are the two guys that will probably be for me the hardest to get mm-hmm. and the guys that I want the most on my fantasy teams. Um especially after and I it's it's hard to try and you know not fall into the narratives that come out before training camp starts and because everything is like coach speak or oh, yeah you know players are bigging each other up but Dak Prescott was like look man CD Lamb gonna have a breakout year this year and he was close to do he kind of did it last year. You know, yeah. he was, I think he was a uh, second in the league in receiving yards out of the rookies because you had Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. you had CeeDee Lamb, and T. Higgins. Chase Claypool was, up there, T. Higgins. Yeah, you, they were like Claypool in there. It's probably around top five, top six um, among the rookies. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I got so, you. So Lamb was able to do what he did with Andy Dalton for the majority of the season. Terry Gilbert. And he's still almost, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> ben DiNucci. Uh, oh man and what a weird year and people say stuff like oh well y'all weren't gonna win the division if you had Dak prescott are you kidding me you saw what the the cowboys defense actually showed up for a game against the eagles mm-hmm. if they had Dak prescott they would have won that game mm-hmm. two interceptions like it it's just it was just mind boy bugging bugging but cd lamb Dak prescott said to himself that he's gonna have a breakout year i'm buying it Everybody was hype on CD Land before. It sh- this should be cemented now. Yeah, I agree. But you know, a guy I'm buying is again. I'm sticking with these Philly guys. It's going to be again Jalen Rager. Really? Just, yeah, and I like what Philly's doing with their offense. And we know that Rager can play on special teams. He's been used out of the backfield already, and he can make plays downfield. You know, guys like him don't come off the field. And when you look from a price standpoint, I mean, I think you could maybe 
go to a, you know, in Dynasty, you could reach out to somebody who does have them and maybe offer 20, 22 third just to get a conversation started and, you know, maybe pull a deal off like that. I mean, to get a wide receiver too for, for that price, I mean, I feel like that's a steal. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way you put that. I might have to, you know, reconsider. Yeah. Start adding some and dealing. I dealing wanted to say CD Lamb, but when I'm when I'm going to buy a guy, I like to target guys that aren't going to cost me multiple first and like a high end white, you know, maybe you know, like a Julio Jones and two first round picks. I feel like that would be a conversation to get started with CD Lamb. You know, I got that would, you. you'd have to. That'd be like the base, base, yeah, baseline. You know what I mean? And that's even if you can get guys to give them up, because when you got a guy like CD Lamb, either. Yeah, you got to hope that you can get him in startups. Exactly. <laughs> you got to go like you come into a league and you've got you inherited a, a, a orphan team. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, where's CD Lamb at? He's not on my team. Who got him? You're not getting. You're not getting CD Lamb. I've not, tried. It had to be one heck of a deal yeah. in order for somebody to give him up. I've sent out a lot of offers for CD Lamb. I mean, a lot of even overpays, and nobody will even budge or send a counter offer. So get out of here. Yeah, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody wants to sell him. And you know, I, th- I think that's the smart move because you d- you think about Michael Gallup probably not being resigned, and you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Amari might not be coming back either because of his contract, and I I don't believe that because I think the Dak Amari connection is too good, and the con- the contract that Amari has is still pretty team friendly when you think about it, especially when you think about what he does on the field. I don't see a world where they let him go, but uh, yeah, nobody wants to get rid of CD lamb right now. I don't get why people want to move on from Amari Cooper. Like I don't understand the logic behind it. Cause he's not, there's no logic behind it. It's, it's like people just say things like, Oh, we should get rid of uh, Michael Gallup. We should trade him. Well, I don't think Michael Gallup is going to command I don't feel like he's going to command, you know, top end wide receiver. He's not getting 20 million a year. He's not getting 22 million a year like, you know, some of the other bigger name wide receivers are. Could he get a solid deal? Yes. Could he be a number one wide receiver on another team? Yes. But I don't think he's going to like if he's if he wants to compete and win, there's not a lot of teams that he would be able to go to command a lot of money and be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Like look around the look around the scope right now, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They set. They don't need wide receivers. Right. Um, Kansas City Chiefs. They could use one, but are you going to go? Are you going to risk going to Kansas City and hope that you get targets? Because we all know, if it ain't Tariq Hill and it's not Travis Kelsey, you're probably not getting no. You're not. You're not getting targets. Mm-hmm. Look at everybody. Look at all the other wide receivers. Now I like Miko Hartman, but. You know, compared to what the other guys are getting in terms of target shares, yeah, he's not. He's not. He's a guy you hope actually gets introduced into the offense as a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't know how Mahomes th- throws for that many attempts, and he only hitting two guys. Like for the most part, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy to think about because it's a it's a tight end and a a small speedy wide receiver and this guy just dominate dominates every time he gets on the field and you, you don't you wouldn't think when you just look at his size but yeah it's it's funny what uh what Kansas City what their offense can do when they really have just two main targets but then just guys kind of come out of nowhere from you know every other week and make a big play or don't come in a big target share but they'll have like two TDs or 100 yards or just something mm-hmm. crazy <laughs> So, you know, while we're uh, talking about investing, is there a player in the NFC East that you're selling? Kenny Galladay. 
Okay. Not even thinking twice. And the sad part is, I can't get rid of him. I have Are him you on serious? Couple of, I can't get rid of him. I have him on a couple of dynasty teams. Okay. And like, you know how you can put him. Like, I use uh, we have dynasty leagues and sleeper, and you can tag a, a player and put him on a trade block, and everybody gets it in a, in a chat. Yeah. I get no offers. Like he's like he's got the plague. Nobody wants nobody wants him. So I'm like, we're all these people at who were like, oh well, you know, Kenny Galladay is is with Daniel Jones and blah blah blah. Well, I got him out there. Yeah, you know, send me some offers. Nope, they don't want him. They'll tra- I'll get trade offers for every other wide receiver on my team except Kenny Galladay. You know, I tried acquiring Kenny Galladay in a couple of places as well with no with no luck. I wasn't sending out the type of offers I was, you know, trying to acquire CeeDee Lamb, but I was reaching out to people trying to trying to trade for him and not, you know, not trying to lowball people, but give good offers thinking of what he's worth to me at least. And, the, you know, people didn't were acting like he wasn't on the market because they, they liked the opportunity there in New York. All right. Let me let me ask you then. What would let's let's talk picks. Mm-hmm. What pick would you give for Kenny Galladay? Let's see if I'm a contender, I I would happily trade my first round in 2022 for Kenny Galladay. Really? Yeah. And you're that's what, that's what I think. That's I guess that's how how much I believe in the opportunity and what I think he's gonna do this year with Daniel Jones. Mm. See, because I, I, I'm on the other side. I'll probably give him I will probably give up a second mm-hmm. for Kenny Galladay. I'm not giving up a first for Kenny Galladay. I, and I don't I, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I don't believe that he's gonna have a good year with uh Daniel Jones. I'm not buying it. That's why I'm trying to get rid of him. I think you know, with Galladay, I mean, I, I'm assuming double digit TDs is almost guaranteed for me. I don't know. He threw Daniel Jones threw 11 touchdowns last year. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's got me spooked, man. <laughs> like, he just wasn't good. Yeah. And, and that's a, he had 24 the year before, 11, 10 interceptions. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want, I went off that train. <laughs> but is that, is, do you think that's Daniel Jones or is that, is that, no, I mean, Jeezy? I mean, you can't, to, to expect him to be that bad again, it, it would be, Foolish. I can't even think of an analogy to, to put that together, but he's not going to be that bad. Yeah, but is he going to? My thing is, while he won't be that bad, will he be good enough to make other players fantasy relevant? And I don't think he is. Twenty-four touchdowns—that's average. I can get that from anybody. You know what I'm saying? If if he's going to pigeonhole ten touch, if you could guarantee to me that he's going to give Kenny Galladay double-digit touchdowns this year, I might keep him. Mm-hmm. But you can't guarantee me that because we don't know what that's going to look like. Would you be happy with eight? Yeah, I'll be happy with eight. Can he get me eight though? Or is the Giants offense going to be that good where, you know, the obvious guy not to defend is Kenny Galladay in the red zone? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just stuff that I'm thinking about. And I'm like, I'm not, the offense is not high powered. Jason Garrett doesn't call games to win. Mm-hmm. He calls them not to lose. Yeah. So I'm, you know, if it was maybe, it's like the same thing with um, guys over David Montgomery. David Montgomery is talented, but the offensive system that he's in doesn't predicate for him to have a good fantasy year. And a lot of people are like, well, David Montgomery was dominant down the end of the 2020 season. Yeah, because Bill Lazor took over play calling. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy gave up play calling. Um, 
before the last over the last five games of the season. And then David Montgomery caught a, a heck of a break with playing soft defenses. Yeah. So you give those two things, and now David Montgomery looks legit. But Matt Nagy's getting play calling back. He David Montgomery was getting 14, tar, 14 uh, carries a game before the final five at the end of the season. That worries me. And I mm-hmm. like David Montgomery. I was big yeah. on him when he came out of college mm-hmm. and he got drafted by the Bears. But Matt Nagy has shown that he's not he's not going to give work to David Montgomery like he should, like a true bell cow back. And that's the same thing I'm worried about. It's, it's something similar that I'm worried about with Kenny Galladay. Is he going to get those targets where you need him in the red zone? Can Daniel Jones deliver those targets in the red zone for Daniel for uh, Kenny Galladay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not convinced. I don't mind being wrong on it either. Oh, yeah, so, of course. But, nah. Get out of here, Kenny Galladay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're selling Kenny Galladay. The player I'm selling is Mr. Saquon Barkley. As crazy what? as this might be, uh, you know, I just I think now is the time to sell because back-to-back years with injuries coming up on a contract year, I feel like he can sell a player like Saquon and reload for the future. Okay. Oh. I don't know if I had Saquon, I, I like your thought process because now you're getting, you're moving on from a guy. A lot of people feel like is very, is still very talented. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the is. injuries. Yeah. yeah, he is, but you're, you can get, you could probably get a lot for him at this point because people are still high on him. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing is, I don't like when people try to fleece out of fleece, you out of good players. Like yeah. if you feel like a player is still good, like, I don't know what you would say Saquon Barkley is worth as far as picks or something. Right. But if you say, if you, if I got Saquon on, on trade block and a guy sends me like a third, I, I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like people will say, I hate when people do that, dude. Yeah. Like get out of here with that. Like, Seriously, don't do that. man. Don't send me no third. And then I like, I, I, I do believe Saquon Barkley can come back mm-hmm. and be, can be good. Can he yeah. be better than Zeke? No, but he's going to be good. If they're gonna continue to give him work, but that's I, I don't want to ramble on too long. But Saquon Barkley is good enough, right? But but you moving on from him would allow you to continue to build for your team in the future, and that's that's smart. That's that's fantasy GM one on one right there. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna throw a trade at you just involving Saquon. Let's say you're a contender, you know your typical 12 team PPR, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you have Saquon, and I offered you. J.K. Dobbins, and I'll say um, LaVisca Chenault and a 2022 second-round pick. Hmm. Okay, I would try and get a first out of you. Of course, yeah. But if I couldn't, I would take that deal. I like, that's a good deal, right? Yeah, I think that's a good deal. It's a 2022 tw- second-round Mm-hmm. And J, I like J.K. Dobbins. I really think that people are sleeping on him. They're so worried about Lamar, you know, taking over and being the continuing to be the runner. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think that the Ravens are going to make Lamar throw a bit more, yeah, so so that he can prove that he's worth the money that he's going to be asking, probably by the mid to the late season. So Dobbins and Gus Edwards are probably going to get more. Um, get more work and I think they're going to start using J.K. Dobbins more in the passing game because you saw how good he was at the end of the season last year mm-hmm. um, yeah I would like that deal and then LaVishka 
I don't want to buy into the hype too much, but I don't like Marvin Jones. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not crazy about Marvin. Yeah. Um, he's older. Lavishka is I think he's that dude. You got uh, DJ Chark down there too. Chark and LaVisca are the guys I feel like you need to own in fantasy this year. Like mm-hmm. Marvin Jones, he had his time when he was with Cincinnati and he's never really done much. I mean, he had maybe one or two years. In, he's a in, streaky guy. You know what I mean? He's like, he'll go off for four or five weeks every single year, but he's not somebody you want to count on every single week, but yeah, you know, he that's has a, that's a good way. That's a good way of putting it. Like some really good numbers. Yeah. I would take that deal. If that was your first offer, I would try and push for the first. And if you yeah. ain't give it, I'm like, all right, well, give me the other deal. I'll take that. Okay, let me, I'll throw one more at you. Would you trade Saquon Barkley straight up for DK Metcalf? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I like would DK. too. I can't ever get DK Metcalf on fantasy. He just never falls to me. Last year. To, yeah. No, go he, ahead, sorry. He's, no, I'm, I'm I'm talking too much. As <laughs> so, no, you're not. You're good. I don't nah, talk but, enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Metcalf is if I can get that deal straight up, I would definitely mm-hmm. take it. Cause I don't think Russ is going anywhere. You know, if it was one of those things where it's like, oh well, Russ is out next year. Nah, he's not going nowhere. Yeah. So last year I was uh, making my playoff push in the league and you know, Zeke was injured and everything. So I ended up trading and I needed help a wide receiver. So I traded Zeke and Tony Pollard for DK Metcalf. And you know, I mean I'm not I'm not mad at myself for making the deal especially when I look at, you know, the running backs I still have on my team. But I'm, I I do kind of wonder what – if my team might look a little bit better if I had Zeke, Kamara, and Antonio Gibson as opposed to Kamara, Gibson, and – I can't remember who my running RB3 is, but then at, at wide receiver I have DK, Amari, and DJ Moore. That's not bad. I don't like Moore, though. You don't like Moore? No. Yeah. I, I, That's fair. I'm worried about how I'm fading him. Oh, really? Reason, okay. Yeah, because Sam Darnold's not hasn't been great, mm-hmm. but he's coming That's into fair. a system where he's got Robbie Anderson, and those two were like tight yeah, when yeah. they were with the Jets. Shake so if bake. they, yeah, if they back on that wave, DJ Moore is he's getting pushed to the not pushed to the back. He's gonna be the wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. So, but he's being drafted like a wide receiver, a low end wide receiver one. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, man. And that's what You're it costs to try to go out and get him, too. Yeah, like, I don't know. I think he's going to go, Darnold's going to go where he's familiar, and familiarity is uh, Robbie Anderson. Absolutely. All right, so moving along, we've talked about our buys. We've talked about our sells. Who are you holding in the NFC East? Who am I holding? I don't, I don't, I don't know, and that's a good question because there are a lot of guys. I don't know, like I want to go quarterback and say Dak Prescott, but that's yeah. like on the nose. Yeah. Um, you know what? There is one guy I'm holding, and I'm hoping that he gets the uh, wide receiver two spot, Cam Sims. Okay. If I can't get Terry McLaurin, I'm hoping that they go big body on the outside move Curtis Samuel to the slot, and now you have Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims on the outside. Um, I know a lot of people are clamoring about uh, – what's his name? Deami. Deami Brown. Deami Brown. Carolina, yeah. Yeah, he looks He looks like he's the, he's got the juice. Mm-hmm. But he's about the same size as Curtis Samuel. 
if you if he can play in the slot, he could be behind Curtis Samuel. Right. He can play on the outside too. But mm-hmm. if I'm Ron Rivera, I want size on the outside too. So I would lean towards Cam Sims at least, you know, hopefully starting the season and keeping the job mm-hmm. as opposed to losing it to Brown. Right. But if that happens and you get that kind of setup in three wide receiver sets, you got speed in Curtis Samuel and size, especially around the red zone with low him and Logan Thomas, yeah. Cam Sims out there, that could be dangerous. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I like that. I, uh, you know, I'm going a little bit more, if you want to say this is on the nose, but I, I like Michael Gallup as a hold. And reason being is, you know, reports have come out that Gallup will be getting a little bit more run out of the slot, being moved around in the formation. He's in a contract year. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't really sound like Dallas is likely to resign him in 2022. Mm. I feel like we could be looking at a future high end wide receiver too. And you could probably buy him for a wide receiver three price. Damn, that's let's see. I like the way you think. That's why you're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> that's good thought process. Because if, like I said before, if Gallup doesn't get signed by the Cowboys and he ends up going somewhere else, he's definitely at least a wide receiver too on another team. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's spitball. I mean, I can't think of any teams off the top of my head. But Patriots. What do you think? Of, what if he oh, ended up with the God, Patriots? No, I, no, no. I just, I they scare me in terms of wide receivers oh yeah that's but fair. yeah he could be a he could be a number one number one wide receiver one there because who's his competition uh jacoby myers you don't think hey, he could don't beat sleep out? on him don't sleep I, on him but i only say that because do you think that he could take jacoby myers spot as a number one wide receiver michael gallup in terms I, of talent. i think talent for talent yes but the familiarity with the system is what oh, yeah the concern yeah. like i think was what you were worried about right yeah okay yeah he, he gets the edge there but he still would be a, a good wide receiver, too. Oh, yeah. There's nobody else there. Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, they've never been, you know, if you're going to carry weight with what he did and what Nelson Aguilar did with the Raiders last year, you know, okay, that's great. But he's never been anything outside of a good a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Michael Gallup would establish himself as a number two there with upside. Um, it's just a couple spots where Michael Gallup would be the man or at least be robin to somebody's batman okay what what if he landed with uh chicago in 2022 oh, don't do that because i like i like uh darnell mooney oh I, man i forgot about him mooney yeah. robinson and fields that's gonna be nasty dude yeah it is we just gotta wait for matt Nagy to wake up and get over andy <laughs> dalton right oh my god the veteran <laughs> the the veteran respect man bump that that you you drafted a quarterback in the first now i this is the fan and fantasy manager speaking mm-hmm. we all want that new flashy name out there first but and i had to do this with cam Akers last year they have reasons why they just don't throw these guys out yeah. and it's not because they're not ready mm-hmm. it's just you want them to ease into game speed you know you want them to get familiar with the nfl before you throw them out there because oh, we yeah. all know andy dalton is not the answer for the future he's not right justin fields is but we have to be patient. They don't want to set these guys up for failure, man. Exactly. And Matt Nagy has no, you know, we just lost Mitchell Trubisky. We've seen how that train ended. Mm-hmm. So we can take our time. We know that the it's going to eventually happen. So when that waiver wire report comes out and you ain't got Justin Fields on it, you know what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So we talked about our hold. I'm holding Michael Gallup. You're holding Cam Sims, which is very interesting to me. I, you know, I might have to look on the waiver wire and some dynasty leagues and see if he's out there, but 
<laughs> Let's move on to our next topic in that. Who are you stashing from the NFC East? Hmm. Stash? Um, See, I'm surprised you didn't say Cam, Cam Sims here. Because that he seems kind of like a stash guy to me. You know what? He he can go in both categories. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think a lot of people are holding him either. Right, but right. A guy that I like um, to stash is Blake Jarwin. Okay. I don't have to. That's a good one. If I, I normally wait on tight ends in a draft because, you know, it's such a steep drop off between the top three or four mm-hmm. and then going on to other guys, there is very hit or miss. Exactly. But, uh, oh, you know what? It's Jarwin and it's Mo Ali Cox. I, I know you only asked for one, but those are the two guys. Mo okay. Ali Cox from uh, Indianapolis and Blake Jarwin. Okay. Mo Ali Cox, man, he deserves to start. He's better than what the little baby hand dude that's over there right now uh jack doyle is, yeah trey burton jack trey burton's he's he's out jack doyle is not in terms of dynamic play mm-hmm. we've seen molly cox go off he oh, yeah. needs to be the starter jack dude, he's doyle a bully, dude oh, dog like i picked him up off of waivers he had a good game he had like 100 yards um 110 yards and like a touchdown or something but he was he was dynamic. Six mm-hmm. five, big body guy. And then they like, okay, you know, Jake Doe's back, you know, and throw him in the lineup, you know. Trey Burton, he's 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 over Michael. Cuff. Like, what are y'all doing? Why are I love y'all doing this guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, he also got injured too. I think he ended up hurting his knee and at the worst possible time because he had a little streak there. Cause I remember I picked him up in a couple of leagues where he had a streak of like three to four good weeks where uh, you know, I know that uh, the back end tight end ones are, aren't those weeks aren't hard to come by. If you score TD, you're probably a tight end one. But he was looking like he was going to be a difference maker for for that Indianapolis team. That's kind of, you know, last year was lacking in some pass catching and pass catching players. Yeah. With Carson Wentz over there now, I'm hoping that they give him a shot mm-hmm. because it's Doyle is going to be like the tight end one. And then after that, you have Moali Cox and then uh, the, the kid Branson. That just got drafted, or Granson, G R. Yeah, Kyle. Uh, Kyle Granson. I think that's the name. He's the guy that you should be looking at too. Okay. Um, because they don't have a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Hilton, Pittman, another name. Yeah, yeah. And but you know, Paris Campbell. in terms of yeah, Paris Campbell. But in terms of like NFC, like we, I'm I'm taking us off script, but no, you're good. Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin's going to be the guy mm-hmm. that a lot of people are going to not pay attention to because he tore his ACL in week one against the Rams. You know, you're looking at other guys like, you know, Dallas Goddard and Logan Thomas and uh, um, maybe Evan Ingram, if you're not spoiled on him from last year. Yeah. But those are guys going to get picked over first. And mm-hmm. then Blake Jarwin's going to be a guy where I've been able to get him like super late in drafts. And he's like the forgotten guy because of Danny Schultz. But they they paid Blake Jarwin. They want to get something out of him, and I think that he he's a, he's going to be a steal because the offense is going to be clicking. You're going to have too many guys to watch, mm-hmm. and that the wide receivers. And guess who's going to be left open? Yep, Jarwin. absolutely. You know my my stash guy is going to be Mr. Kenny Gainwell. Excuse me, Kenny Gainwell. Oh. You know Miles Sanders <laughs> has had some issues issues with injuries dating back to college and Gainwell's a borderline elite receiver like we discussed earlier you know playing out of the backfield and apparently the head coach Sirianni has been known to use multiple running backs I believe uh, back when his time when he was with Indy as well so 
it'll be interesting to see. But I think, uh, you know, in my rookie drafts, I, I picked up Kenny Gable in a few places. I'm excited because I, I handcuffed Miles Sanders with Kenny Gainwell. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, there might be a couple of weeks where Kenny Gainwell could be just a flex start on his own. Mm-hmm. They're going to try – the Eagles are going to try and run the ball, and they're going to try and take a lot of weight off of um, Jalen Hurts as he, get accl- as he gets acclimated to the new offense under Sirianni. You're going to have – Miles Sanders is going to be valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his – I think his draft spot is around the third or fourth round. That's fine to pick him if you're going to pick him there. But I, like you said, Kenny Gainwell is going to have weeks where he's going to get um, he's going to get more targets than carries. He's going to get a good mix of both. But I would say anywhere between ten and fifteen a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to get that range, and he might get some goal line goal line work. Now you, you never know. know. Speed, trying to catch a little speedy dude out of the backfield is tough enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then you Agreed. got the threat of Miles Sanders. You got the mm-hmm. threat of Jalen Hurts taking off. Kenny Gabriel could squeak in a couple. He might get like four or five touchdowns or five or six touchdowns rushing and a couple pass, uh, receiving. I like that. But I like, yeah, I like that Kenny Gabriel. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. So I'm going to ask you a stupid question, Will. You ready? Let me have it. <laughs> Which quarterback from the NFC East scores the most fantasy points in 2021? Daniel Jones. No. <laughs> no, man, it's Dak Prescott. And you know, the reason is obvious. We know how what he can do. He's damaging um on the offensive side of the ball. The Cowboys offense has been, you know, top 10, top five, whatever you want to slice it, um, when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. He just does, he's continued to make the progress that Cowboys fans have been hoping for. Yeah. You know. And with the changes in the offense, the more passing they're leaning towards, um, you, you, we saw what he was able to do in the first five weeks before he went down with the injury. He's just that dude now, man. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be scared when he comes back out. You know, he's talked about the mental issues of getting over his injury and all that stuff. He's hungry. He's hungry. Oh, yeah. And he's willing. He's ready. I feel like he's ready to put the team on his back, get them back out there, and get that nasty taste of 2020 out of their mouth. Absolutely. You know, this is easily back without question. I I like what you said there because this is the first time in his career that he went out with the injury. Then he gets the the big boy contract. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now he's got even more motivation to prove to prove people wrong. So I'm excited to see what he can do, because I think I'd like to think that the Cowboys are the favorites to win this division. But I don't know. I mean, if we see if last year with the battle line was just a glimpse of what this offense could be when Dak is playing the way that he's playing. I mean, I don't see why we couldn't go on a deep playoff run with, with as bad as people think our defense might be. I think people are still kind of somewhat sleeping on our offense being contender worthy, Super Bowl contender worthy. Ah, uh, you made me think of a tweet from uh, Lewis Riddick. Okay. That uh, a lot of people jumped on about him, about he had uh the Washington football team as the favorites to win the division. I remember like a lot of, that. a lot of, I think you were probably in there too. You or Mike was in that thread. I guarantee um, Mike was in there. Who yeah, I think he was like Tad Prescott was in there. He was snapping. And oh, it's just okay. like people, people expect like people want to say Daniel Jones. And I know I keep referring to him, but I, I just think that he's not going to be great for fantasy, mm-hmm. but people are expecting him to go to the next level 
in the same way that they're doing that with Daniel Jones and probably the Giants offense, I'm looking at the Cowboys defense. They're not going to be 28th overall like they were last year. Right. That for the to expect that they're going to be that bad again mm-hmm. is kind of a misnomer. Yeah. They're not going to be if they're elite, that's one heck of a turnaround. But I don't expect them to be top 10 next year. They may be better at defending the run since they're not in the three, four, like they were last year. But I think that they're going to improve enough where it's not Dak Prescott, you know, heavy lifting every week. He's going to have games where he just goes off and he's like, you can't stop him throwing a ball, especially with what the schedule looks like. Right. But I think the defense is going to be a bit better. It's going to take something off of Dak Prescott, but he's still going to be, He's gonna still gonna be. They're still gonna have one of the. Yeah, we know well. I think I, I lost you there for a second, but I would agree. Uh, just the addition of uh, Dan Quinn, and then going back to the four three, and the additions that we made in free agency and during the draft for this for our defense. I would be very surprised if we were bottom five again. And I don't think we have to be top 10 or even top 15 to, to be a real deal contender. But if we could just be top 20, I mean, I really think we'd be set up pretty, pretty nicely for a a nice long playoff run. Okay. I, I agree, but I want to see them inside the top 20. I don't want to see them because they're coming from 28. I don't want to see them at 20. Mm -hmm. I want to see them. 17 you know closer to 15 if they can yeah somewhere around there i want to see a substantial improvement 20 28 to 20 is not good enough for me okay you know if i'm watching the team i need them i need i need more (laughs) (laughs) okay so i'm gonna ask you though we go from 32nd overall and run defense to 25th would that be enough of an improvement to you that's not bad that's not great either, though. Mm-hmm. That means teams are still able to get something on you. They're probably averaging a little over, what, four and a half yards a game, maybe? Let's just, I mean, I'm just throwing figures out there. Yeah, I got you. That's still not great, especially since that's one of your biggest weaknesses last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the secondary is going to be the secondary. You got a lot of young guys back there. You don't have a vet yet in at this at the, at the secondary um, outside of Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. So they're going to be growing pains back there. I'm not expecting them to turn into, you know, the Legion of Boom 2.0 or none of that crazy stuff. But the front is where all the vets are. They need to improve. I mean, there's more vets there than there is in the uh, secondary. So yeah. I'm expecting the run defense to actually be better than it was last year. Jalen Hurts and, I mean, not Jalen Hurts, Jalen Smith and, and Leighton Vander Esch, they've been put on notice. Oh, yeah. They drafted uh Michael, Michael Parsons, Parsons and the young boy uh, what was the other young boy they drafted in uh later on in the draft at linebacker uh I can't think of his name but they drafted two linebackers last oh, season yeah uh, during the draft yeah they they they're on notice if they and don't I like ship that. up I like that they, too <laughs> and the sad part is Leighton Van Der Esch is actually good. He just can't stay on the field. Exactly. He's been yeah. injury prone. Mm-hmm. Not injury prone. He's been injured. Yes. Jalen Smith is a bit of a head scratcher. If he can turn it around, I'd be more happy that they turn it around and they have the depth at linebacker finally, as opposed to 
you know, losing one of those two guys. I think they're pretty good, but mm-hmm. the system that they were in last year and just some of the boneheaded stuff they were doing, it's like how how the plays over here, but you went over here, mm-hmm. but you're supposed to know where to. You know what I'm saying? Like it just you picked the hole before the guy committed to going to. Ah, it was just like, oh come on, dude! Like I know you're better than this. Well, I know you're better. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <sir. laughs> it's exciting it, it to think about for sure yeah exciting and frustrating as well but uh you know g- going back to uh, the discussion here we were talking about which quarterback we think will score the most which nfc east running back do you think is going to score the most fantasy points this year um i'll put it this way aside from ezekiel elliott yeah um i think i am buying into antonio gibson mm-hmm. uh i just think that you've seen him he needs to be more involved in the passing game. I don't like J.D. McKissick getting work or getting a ton of work. Yeah. But I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick there, he's going to lean on – he's going to lean more towards the starters. And I think Gibson gets more to work this year. Um, he's going to be a problem. I'm, yeah. I'm buying into that. I'm worried about that turf toe, though, because he didn't get surgery on it. He's just going to mm-hmm. let it heal naturally. Right. I hope it doesn't become an issue during the season. But if it doesn't, I think he's he has a chance to even overtake um, Saquon Barkley as the number two running back in the league. I mean, uh, not in the league, in the division. Mm-hmm. And there's some really good running backs in this division. You got Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, and of course Ezekiel Elliott. And for me, I mean, it's just the the Dallas offense is is too good. The Dallas offense is going to be scary. Zeke is in the best shape of his life. It's got to be Zeke. It's wheels up. It's wheels up for Zeke for me here in the uh, in 2021. So Zeke is my uh, is my is my answer here. Mm. Not a bad answer. I mean, you're not really wrong. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I I wouldn't be surprised though if Antonio Gibson was the one to do it though. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody's got to come behind Zeke. You know, so exactly. Why not, yeah. not Gibson? Somebody's got to get that second place trophy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, number two is not bad. You know. Right, not great. Not, you know. <laughs> Somebody's got to get it. <laughs> the next best or the first loser, however you want to, however you want to paint it, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we talked about quarterback and running back. Moving to wide receiver, which one is going to score the most in twenty twenty one? I gotta go. I gotta go, Terry McLaurin. Okay. And I know. And the reason why I say that, I said it before. He's going to get a ton of work with Ryan as if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays all 16 games or um sorry 17 he plays all 17 games Terry McLaurin especially in PPR or yeah PPR Terry McLaurin he's gonna see I'm, I'm, he's gonna see at least sheesh, 140 targets plus this year this will be one of his best years being targeted by a quarterback in a Washington uniform bar none i'm buying completely into that because the you know i've said it before ryan fitzpatrick is going to throw the ball regardless of whether they win or losing and i'm going to say that they're going to be losing or they're going to be behind in more games than they're going to be leading which is going to allow terry mclaurin to get those catch up those garbage time those you know we got to pass heavy to get get back into the game targets Uh he stays on the field man he may be one of the highest targeted uh, wide receivers in the in the division. I like that answer. Uh, for me, I'm sticking with the Cowboys theme here, and I, I'm going with Amari Cooper. 
I know you mentioned earlier that Dak was saying CD's due for a breakout year, but even with CD on the team, Amari is still the best wide receiver on the team, in my opinion. And, you know, we've seen the chemistry between Dak and Amari. You know, I feel like peop- a lot of people either won't acknowledge it or just don't want to accept it. But th- I think that's real. Their their friendship on and off the field is a real thing. And we- we've seen it translate since Amari's been there. So until Amari Cooper leaves, I think that Amari Cooper is still the, the wide receiver to own here in Dallas. I can't really disagree with that. A lot of people are sleeping on Amari Cooper. Not sleeping on, but they're disregarding him because C.D. Lamb's potential is so good. Mm-hmm. And they forget that Amari Cooper, he gets busy. Like, I don't get why they're so ready to push him aside for the new hotness. Yeah. Whereas they should be appreciating what Amari Cooper does when he's on the field. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've talked about the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver. Looking at these tight ends in the NFC East, you've, you've talked about Evan Ingram a couple of times. Is that going to be your pick for who, sco- who scores the most points in the NFC I'm East? I'm going to throw a twist in. Okay. It's going to be Dallas Goddard. Oh, I like that, man. That's a really good pick. And I think they're going to move on from Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't move on from him, he's going to be the tight end, too. Okay. They're going to do two tight tight end sets and now he'll, yeah. he'll get his work in that way mm-hmm. but Dallas Goddard has shown that he's more than capable of being that number one target um he was one of the better pass catchers last year um he he's been living in Zach Ertz's shadow f- since he's been drafted and I think now is the time or the perfect opportunity for him to be able to get out from under that establish himself as the tight end one for the Eagles be that safety blanket for Jalen Hurts this year um, and be a more dynamic piece inside the red zone. He's going to have, if I can get him, like he's one of those guys that I wouldn't mind falling into later on in a draft, um, especially like redraft or something like that, where I can get him or I can wait and get him mm-hmm. or I can get a higher end tight end and then come back around and get him as my uh, tight end too there on my go. team. Because I like, I like keeping – um, I like drafting two quarterbacks. And I like drafting two tight ends um, in redraft. So that way I don't have to look for anybody on bye weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I can plug and play my tight end positions if I want. I have versatility as opposed to, you know, hoping that Hunter Henry gets more targets than Jonu Smith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard is going to be a problem. And I think, you know, when you can't go deep all the time with um, Jalen Reger or they're playing deep balls, Dallas Goddard is going to be that release valve for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, great pick there. I know I had uh, Dallas Goddard on a team two years ago, and I ended up trading him before the start of last season. I, I wish I would have stashed him, but, you know, I was just – I kind of felt like Zach Ertz wasn't going anywhere anytime soon, so I thought it was best to trade him away while there was still some hype around his name. And, you know, I'm kind of kicking myself now because it looks like he might actually finally get the chance to – to be the starting tight end. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the tight end I think is going to score the most is going to be Mr. Logan Thomas. And reason being is we know that Fitzpatrick is a gunslinger, and I think the additions of Curtis Samuel and De'Ami Brown are going to open up the middle of the field for Thomas, and he'll also give Fitz a big red zone target as well. Great. You think he's going to be able to get – you think he's going to be able to stay on the field, though? You think they, they won't flirt with a little more – um, well, maybe that's not the right question to ask. Do you, 
has do you how do you feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick when he targets in terms of targeting tight ends? Uh, I mean, how could I say this? I don't know enough about the history. I've never really looked into Ryan Fitzpatrick, the target share between his wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. But I feel like he's the he's the the guy that's either going to throw to you when you're open or try to force it to you. You know, when he maybe is under duress or he just you know he he if you become one of his trusted receivers, I feel like he's going to force the ball to you. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about that sounds right up Fitzpatrick's alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, looking at the rookies in the NFC East, is there a guy that you that you think will score the most? Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not crazy about Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. um, for the Giants. I think that you know they're just really deep at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, he gets on, but. You know, outside of a couple of trick plays from Jason Garrett, I don't see how he's going to get in unless there's an injury. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. Deami Brown is somebody that who I've been trying to pay attention to. His name's been getting a lot of buzz for me. I might go that direction um, in the hopes that – I don't know. The only reason I say that is because – I want that Cam Sims to work. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm flirting with both. Like I want Cam Sims to work out, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, this rookie over here, he's kind of hot right now. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, maybe he can come in and get that started. But I don't know. Like I'm kind of torn between Sims and Brown. So if, if Sims doesn't work out, I would be fine with um, keep keeping um, Brown out. Um, I just, if he can get, on the field and stay there because he's got he got, does have a lot of competition ahead of him too he's got to show out in camp um in order to be able to be one of those high scoring rookies um mm-hmm. in the nfc east but you know it's between it's basically between it's a two-man show between him and smith yeah um I, i'll go out on a limb and say brown i'll go okay. on, i'll go i'll do that well you, you took my guy from me devonta smith no, no. I mean, I'm I'm going Brown. I, I think that there's a there's a chance. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. For Brown to be able to do it, but yeah. Well, no. I was just I was giving you a hard time because you said it's either going to be Brown or Devonta <laughs> Smith, and yeah, that's who I have is Devonta Smith here. He steps uh, in as the, okay, as the okay. wide receiver one on day one, probably the best wide receiver on the team right now. When him and Hurts played a little bit together in Alabama, I feel like he's in the perfect situation to succeed his rookie season. Okay, that makes. I mean, that makes sense. The, the Eagles needed a number one wide receiver, and they went out and got one. You mm-hmm. know, so for for you to go out and get a number one wide receiver and then not use him would just be like bonkers. So, yeah. yes, and then when you look around the you know, the rest of the division, it's not really a lot of rookies. You know, outside of the guys that we mentioned, like I, like I said, Kadarius Tony's not going to be a guy. I feel like he's not going to be a guy. He's going to get on the field and, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff. You know, Jason Garrett doesn't call offense like that. So to expect him to be out there, no. Yeah. All right, well, here comes the fun part. I want to hear your NFC East. I don't know if you want to call it a hot take or a bold take for the 2021 fantasy season. Come on, man. This is on the nose. 